<laughs> Yo, you feel that? Dog, that's that's queer retrograde, queer baby. Retrograde, baby. Oh. All right. Well, we are here today with Sam from the wonderful Queer Ultimatum show that everyone is raving about. So excited to have you on, Sam. Um, We'll start with just some intros if you just want to give your name, pronouns, and right now I am. So you can take that whichever way you want, more in your body or mentally or whatever, wherever you are. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Sam. My pronouns are she, her. And I guess right now I'm just excited. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Right on, perfect. Hobbs. Yeah, I'm Hobbs. I use they, them pronouns. And right now I am also equal parts excited. I think summer really just kind of hit for me like recently where I was like, oh, like we're doing it. It's happening. Like it's yeah. not only hot as hell outside, but just, you know, like the the mirth of people playing together for whatever reasons that they wanted to in like the last couple weeks has been really launching it off cool Mm -hmm. and I'm Linz any pronouns are great and right now I am adjusting to the heat of Mm. summer yeah (laughs) oh my gosh yes (laughs) um where are you where are you located Sam um I'm in Southern California okay so yeah it's been pretty hot (laughs) Yeah, they said like Yes, I don't know where you're all at actually. <laughs> we're in like upstate New York right now and it only just started to get oh. into that heat. <laughs> I just saw on the news like July 3rd was like the hottest day ever recorded in like human history. Yeah, I just heard that today too, but I'm thinking too I've been in California my whole life so my definition of hot is probably very def- different than both of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Like 70 for you might be burning. I don't know. (laughs) Well, well, originally from like Virginia. So I'm very like used to the whole like humidity and heat. I think what's cool about the California heat is like the shade provides like some respite from it, you know, like the more you get out of like the foggier, smoggier states. Mm -hmm. True, true. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say whenever we first got up here, upstate New York area, I was very, um, I don't know. I I was just really excited because I was like, oh, it's not going to be the super hot summer that we're used to because there was still this cool breeze situation happening. And then like Hobbs said, I think in the last week or so, it's kind of like started to feel more more like summer oh we were wondering why we were melting on monday so it made so much sense when we found out like okay now i get it yeah absolutely (laughs) totally so getting right into it sam like obviously like we want to cover like some of what your experience was with the show and also like things that go well beyond it but for the show we're kind of wondering like what your rose your bud and your booty was for it like rose being like the highlight (laughs) thorn being like the worst part maybe or the most challenging right and uh, the bud being something that you're looking forward to, I guess, from after the fact, perhaps. And then the booty yeah. one of the funnier moments you ever experienced on it. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I would say, I mean, the rose is definitely like I got out of it what I was hoping for, which was an engagement mm-hmm. um, and a happy <laughs> one at that. <laughs> 
an engagement that you know um has not not to say anything about anyone's engagements but that you know we have stuck with it so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's definitely a rose um a thorn is probably just being in like that like container of trauma that I haven't been used to in such a long time it's like you know you get out of high school then you get out of college and so you think that (laughs) okay like drama free life and then being in that container was kind of um yeah there were a lot of times where I was just like I'll be in that corner (laughs) while all of you are over there I'll be like hiding over here like (laughs) you guys keep that over there um so that was definitely a thorn um and then was the next one like a bud is that the bud like something I guess you're looking forward to after the fact oh something looking forward to is really being able to like utilize this platform to talk about a lot of things that we previously didn't really get to talk about because it wasn't shown on the media in the way that it was for uh relationships and mental health like I feel like we've been given this kind of gift in in a sense to like really talk about these conversations that have just been kind of in the shadows or like if you're not in the community you don't don't really know quite what's happening and there's a lot of uh, like detachment from things and so yeah I think even just bringing in the allies to help us out and like join you know um things that have to do even um with all these crazy laws and stuff it really is like highlighting some things to bring people together but from like a storytelling um standpoint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool and then the last part would be the booty, which is something oh. that I made up, which is just, what was the funniest thing? I would have to say some of the funniest moments had to have been towards the end of my trial marriage with Tiff. I mean, you all saw like a clip of it from the car. But once we got over that initial like road bump of the dog situation, I feel like we were really able to just like have a lot of fun where we felt like we were kind of the comic relief of of the trial marriages because oh my goodness when I was watching things back I'm like there was a lot going on behind those like apartment doors that I had no I I knew a clip of it but man (laughs) we were just having fun by the end of it yeah ideally ideally yes yes I love that are y'all still friends Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, we chat here and there, like offline. We'll probably do, do like a live at some point and just like hang out with everyone. So, yeah, we are. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Love yeah. to hear it. Comedy is yeah. always a good a good thing to bring into the fold for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially with it being like the trauma container that you were alluding to. Like, good gosh. I think it would have been a lot easier for everyone oh, yeah. to ingest if there were just like those organic moments that I we I feel like we all know happen. Like the edit can't take away the fact that these were people, you know, right. like, who were going to go off, right. off at some point. <laughs> so it would have been nice to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. How do you um, feel like the response has been from the show? And based off of that, do you think you would ever go on TV again? <laughs> these are great questions. Uh- <laughs> I would say it's kind of like 50-50. Part of it, I was really actually surprised by how well-received it was, like, as a whole. I was thinking, you know, there might, it might, like, attract a lot of, like, 
haters and things like that. And so that was a worry kind of approaching it. Um, but I really did not notice a lot of that. Maybe I just wasn't looking in the, you know, wrong places. And so <laughs> as far as like, um, like my pages and social media, for the most part, it's been pretty positive. Um, and I've seen a lot of positive. I can't say the same for Aussie, unfortunately, especially because, um, like the episodes, I think it was like five to eight, whatever that second batch was, mm -hmm. things kind of like left off on a really like difficult note there. And so it was one of those periods, like that was probably the longest week of like our lives, which was waiting from like that drop to the finale and the reunion, because as everyone saw, there were certain things that were kind of like shed light on in the reunion. And we were like, no, you don't understand. But like, we couldn't talk about it. Right. And so especially during that time, it was like really negative and there's still like remnants of it mm -hmm. um but we've kind of been like working through that and coming to those realizations of like you know and the show like actually was pretty heavy I think a lot of people would agree it was really heavy it brought out a lot of like very personal conversations for people they were like almost using it as their own like therapy to talk about like their relationships and um just like reflecting on life and so you know we've kind of come to these understandings of like yeah these are kind of like you know people are able to see parts of themselves or other people that may not be so nice and so like unfortunately they're kind of taking it out on you even though it's you know just your your story and what you were going through and so on that side a little bit hard but then again it was so nice to be able to have someone who went through the experience too like and that we get to like go through this together because oh my goodness like unless you've been in it there's still like this level of not really quite knowing what it's like and so yeah like just having the support of people who understand is like so helpful um yeah I hope I answered your question <laughs> yeah, for sure. it's kind of wild because like if you think about reality tv like everyone is like oh it's like it's so scripted it's so contrived and like in the edit or however like they're choosing to present like these events and how it was set and how yeah. the tone was right when you can like splice together Mm -hmm. sounds to make a whole new sentence kind of thing but for this one it seemed like an anomaly where like it felt like oh this feels like reality tv because yeah you know, we're seeing these conversations and moments where you're just like i would feel better if we turn the camera off like yeah. right just for right. ethics i mean what was it kind of yes. like to take the reins off of like i mean not even the whole group i guess kind of had this agreement going into the show like we're kind of taking the reins off of our relationship in a way right by way of participating through like these the trial marriage or just the structure and like your living situation like what was it like to have like such you know good intentions like towards your relationship and kind of feel that like lid just wrap rip or <laughs> ripped over right. through the show um I think for us because we had gone in with such strong intentions like and we talked a lot about it before filming actually happened I think that really um helped us in the end and I don't know any of the agreements that anyone else had coming into it but we had pretty solid conversations around like okay we both understand that we are absolutely going into this like for our own personal growth and our own personal healing and our own personal journeys and that was actually number one on our 
priorities and the relationship was number two. And so through that, we gave ourselves permission to kind of explore without guilt in whatever way we needed to, or like to find the answers. Like we believed so much in this process of like, sometimes you need other people to help shed light on things when you're just like in your little bubble yourselves, it can be hard. And so some conversations, for example, we were finally able to talk about things that we were struggling to talk about before. And it's just kind of like um, snowballed from there. So that part of it has been really amazing. But when you're like in the thick of it, you you're actually not even like thinking, oh, there's cameras around me. Oh, this is all being recorded. It's like a weird mind thing that's happening. You're just like actually present in the conversation, just as we are here to a, to a point like you almost forget that even this is being recorded like Mm -hmm. you like get and that's how it kind of is when you're in it and so you know a lot of I've seen a lot of things where people are like oh don't you remember there's cameras don't you remember there's like you know you're mic'd up and honestly you kind of forget and especially (laughs) when you're there for that long you really do kind of forget but we again we were just like this is our own personal journey so that allowed us to really just like focus on ourselves. Um, and I think that was really helpful. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. It's the root yeah. of any relationship, right? Is yeah. like relationship with your individual selves and like having that balance between the connection in the relationship and the connection with with yourself individually as well. You know, that that balance uh-huh. is like so absolutely. crucial, I think. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of one of those relationship misconceptions of sorts and at least this is from my opinion and my lens but there's a lot of this like looking and I'm also saying this partially because I do a lot of tarot readings and this comes up all the time that we tend to look outside of us and only outside of us and we forget to look inside and so if we put the relationship first we would be doing that same thing looking outside of us and it would actually cause us to make different decisions and really it's about making the right choice for us like individually not like the relationship the relationship is not the thing that is just what should become you know sweeter or better or more loving as a result of like the individual so I think that minor tweak is like very crucial actually (laughs) Mm, absolutely oh yeah any all in my experience my best relationships are the ones that feel like that sort of like a la carte item you know Mm -hmm. yeah yes and then you're being fulfilled and then you're feeling loved and (laughs) you can receive love (laughs) exactly exactly for sure I mean the show this is my last question about the show it's just that like obviously it's putting you know marriage is like one of the main like centerpieces of like the gay agenda like how do you Mm -hmm. feel about what ought to be the center of like our gay agenda like now like is like marriage something that is still like extremely important to you in a way like in how it was before the show had started or has that changed like throughout time well I'm loving these questions by the way just so you know um (laughs) (laughs) that is that is a great question so I feel like there's a lot of aspects of marriage that is still so like heteronormative or based on like 
power and these like really old antiquated systems and I've just come to learn that marriage itself is so much of like a personal choice and also between the two people whether or not that's right for them like it doesn't always have to have the the type of weight that society often gives it and so even when it comes to like oh yeah we're still engaged but we and we haven't got married yet right and other people might just like the the gut reaction or instinct might be like oh it must be because Aussie's like dragging their feet again like I uh, like why hasn't this happened but it's like no that actually misses the point of like I was actually able to see a different side of it too like I wasn't looking for marriage again that's like that external like validation of the thing I was really looking for is this the person that I meant to like go through this journey with is this the person that I want to grow with and spend my time with and you know is are we going to have this mutual sense of commitment with each other? Like marriage is just a thing and it's a business just like anything else is, right? And our community has a lot of setbacks. And I think that's also part of why a lot of people end up eloping or they just decide mm -hmm. to do alternatives. It's a lot of freaking money. <laughs> it's not like you just say, hey, I'm going to get married. Like, let's just do it. Like, it costs a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of planning. And then you add these other layers of like, okay, like, do I invite everybody? Do I just invite mm -hmm. the people who are accepting of me? Like, do what do I, right? There's so much more that goes into it that it's like, just throw that out the door and do whatever feels right for you. Like, who cares? Right? Like, you, you're feeling like this is like your partner. Like, cool. If you want to get married, then get married. But it doesn't have to be like a, oh, like they didn't get married yet. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, they're still engaged. Like I got my ring. I'm happy. I have my like happy household. So yeah, yeah I think it's like, again, focusing on the self, focusing mm -hmm. on what we want, not what everybody else says that we should want or have. So yeah, again, hope hopefully that <laughs> answered your question. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. I told Hobbs, I was like, you know, if there's one aspect of the show that I have been thinking about a lot, I was like, I think they're actually onto something with this whole trial marriage situation. Like, what if marriage was a negotiation where it's like, let's be married for five years and then we can come or even on a yearly basis or whatever the two people decide. And then you keep coming back to the right. table and saying, well, what, what did we like about this how have we changed how have we grown and does this still make sense right you know right right and I think that that's one of the reasons why like queer relationships seem to have a much lower rate of like divorce for example because we're having all these conversations that not everyone else is having because they don't realize the privilege of just hey let's just get engaged and then plan for the wedding and then have the wedding and we're like thinking about all these things like okay what do I do with this what do we do does your family know does it like your friends like what and there's like all this pre-planning to the pre-planning to the pre-planning that it's like <laughs> by the time you do it you're like we've been talking about all of this stuff for a long time now <laughs> yeah that's an oddity I mean yeah the only like wedding I've ever been to like the first queer wedding I went to that was like in their vows like at the end of the year we're gonna come back with this person who's marrying us now and like go over <laughs> if we're gonna renew these terms I'm just like damn like all right yeah when it's user's choice and just sprinkle in some intentionality like with everything else yes. we're kind of forced to do to navigate like moving towards you know milestones in our lives like oh yeah absolutely <laughs> cool well 
shifting away from the show a little bit now I'm curious about your work and um everything that you're doing I mean I was looking at your site and there's just so much there um can you talk about the name (laughs) conscious altruism and like where that comes from what that means yeah I I think it was the end of probably 2021 that I started learning more about DEI so like the diversity equity inclusion like industry and space Mm -hmm. and I used to be in the financial industry which is definitely (laughs) all the systems (laughs) when we're talking about antiquated systems like you got it when you're talking about like (laughs) um, all of this like toxic positivity and like (laughs) toxic productivity like you got it (laughs) so um that was kind of like my experience at the time and I was coming more and more into learning about myself and my experience learning about intersectionality and how I'm like yeah I can check quite a few boxes on this whole intersectionality thing um and actually I had enrolled myself in like an online certification program in DEI and through that I was like whoa the first step is learning about yourself and your own journey and like what privileges that I carry and what privileges other people carry and so it was through that that I really started having conversations about how to bring equity into spaces and how to like approach allyship from a different um, perspective and through that, I just started attracting people and I just started like bringing it up and like, hey, did you know all these things that you can do in your business that actually makes it a more inclusive space for people? Like, hey, do you know what you can do that's super simple for like accessibility and things like that? And even um, when I was like hosting Zoom meetings, I would like start putting a brief like agenda and things like that just to start showing like, hey, like social anxiety and just having anxiety is a thing and for somebody who's like stepping into something they've never done before that can be like really like difficult to navigate and really stressful and then I just started like getting people together because I'm like hey I think this whole allyship thing is like a thing and I think it would be really useful to like educate each other using our own stories and experiences and so then I met my really good friend now who's an anti-racism coach I started meeting people in the DEI space people who work with companies and we just started getting together and I would host these zoom meetings and then through that it just kind of like expanded and like hey, like the name of this feels like a community, but the word altruism actually came up when I was doing an anti-racism workbook that my friend created. And I'm like, ooh, there's something about this word that I really like, but I don't like the whole self-sacrifice thing. I don't like the whole like, you know, do things and just give and give just to be selfless. So I'm like, oh, but if we're doing it consciously, then we're actually like saying, hey, we can care about ourselves first and then we can do something good with it. And so this whole idea just started forming and then I just turned it from community into movement. And I've just been on this whole thing of like attracting people who want to do good things in the world, but like allowing the space for us to come together to do it rather than this whole individual journey thing. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I feel like my answers are so long-winded, but there's like so much behind them. Absolutely. 
Mm -hmm. I know. I really, I appreciate you going into depth with with it all because anything that is that intentional and, Mm -hmm. you know, has the backstory, definitely it's, I want to hear it all. It it smears the mission of it. Like we need to be able to figure out what a dialogue is versus a conflict or a debate. Like it all is in the nuance. So right. And it was just going to different events and workshops. And I'm like, I'm like always the only Asian person there, or I'm always the only queer person there. Like there was always this feeling of like separation and like, if people are all doing it separate, we're also not hearing each other's stories. And if we hear each other's stories, then I was like, we can realize that we're actually looking for similar things. So why does it like there's a there's a space for things to be separate. There's like a space for that. But then we need a balance of both. And so I'm like, well, what if we can bring all these experiences together? And it doesn't have to be just a queer space. And it doesn't have to just be a non-queer space and it doesn't have to feel like oh we're inviting you in it's like oh I can just you know be very intentional again about inviting people of different experiences all together and I've had people talk to me outside of it and say like hey that was really cool and they're um cis straight people like hetero and they're like I never knew I can ask these questions to anybody and so I just had certain questions about like pronouns or certain questions about the experience of you know a queer person that I never felt safe to ask about before but this was the first time I was able to like learn about this and ask questions and not feel like I was going to be judged and you know I had a cis white male come to one of my events and say hey that was a really interesting experience and the first time I've ever been the only person and the other in a group and that was an enlightening experience and I'm like yeah like (laughs) how often can you feel safe as a straight cis white male stepping into like you know a space like that and so but it was it's you know it's just the culture that we've created and so Mm -hmm. um I'm like yeah there's this there's something there (laughs) absolutely you know, journey and role as a healer, like started when you started this particular journey that you've already talked about, or like, did it start before then? What did that show up as back then? Yeah, it was actually when the pandemic happened. Um, Again, I was like in the financial industry at the time. And it was very like, constantly going like get up super early, get home really late. And I never really like, rested for a while. And I was letting go of sleep. I was letting go of just like, feeling like I don't know it was like at at a certain point I started realizing that there was like a discord between what I was doing and how I was being asked to do it and function within that industry while recognizing all of the like power imbalances and just like I was just noticing all these things and it was driving me just like you know like I really want to do something about it, but I'm just like this one person in this huge, massive, like machine of sorts. And so I started feeling more and more that discord, but I was still in it and I was still so much in it. I wasn't even like making time to eat proper meals. Sometimes Mm. I was just like constantly on the go. And that was the first time where I was like, wow, I could get so much done when I'm not just like driving all day or just like working nonstop. And that's when I joined this um, queer women's online group. And that's how I met Aussie. That's how I met Charmaine. And that's how I met a lot of my spiritual community. Mm -hmm. And so that healing journey actually started 
due to COVID. And so all of this kind of took another, you know, year and a half to two years to start developing. But I think it set a really good foundation to what I was going to do in terms of advocacy work. So, yeah. Wow. There's so many different like facets of everything that you're saying. (laughs) I know. I can only imagine (laughs) what a day or a week in in your life might look like. Can you speak a little bit to that? It's all over the place. Too, yeah. simply. <laughs> I love it though, because it really does speak to like, we are very complex human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so, yeah. there's a lot of um, sort of ask for us to kind of identify ourselves in this box of like, this is how, this is who, this is my name. This is how old I am. And this is what I do. Right. right? And right. so it's like, I love meeting someone that's really just mm-hmm. fully embracing. No, I'm a complex human being with a lot of different, oh, my toes dipped in a lot of different ponds, you know? Right. And that's why when people ask me like, what I do, I'm like, how do we even answer that? <laughs> do I don't yeah. quite know. I'm like, do you have an hour? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But like, I think that's kind of what deters like that being a go-to question anyway on how to relate to somebody. Like, I feel like right. now like we're in a lot of transition ourselves. And like, anytime someone asks me like, where are you from? What are you doing? I'm just like, I have not had a way to relate to being rooted anywhere right. in the way that I have for the first 27 years of my life. But it's like, it always creates a stilted moment right. in the conversation of like what you just said, like, do you have time mm-hmm. to get into right. it? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I would say that for me, it takes a lot of just like check-ins of what I'm doing, where I'm spending my time, being very attuned to like, all right, am I burning out right now? Why did I do too much of this? Did I not do enough of this? Am I doing a lot of work just because I feel like I need to do work? And so it really is just kind of like finding those times that like all right let's just evaluate how did I spend my week and um sometimes I can get very scattered and so I do need to like rein it in all right this is what I'm focusing on this is like and even recently Aussie and I were going to do a workshop but we decided to postpone it because we're like we just have so much going on we like jumped the gun on it too fast we're like it's too soon Mm. and we have all these other things that we're doing that sometimes it's like also giving permission like hey it's okay even though I put this thing out there I can take it back like it's fine I can I don't have to do it just because I like put a a date out there Mm -hmm. so it's also just being okay with letting things go and so I have had to do that um but I'm also the type of person who needs to get my hands in it I need to kind of like feel it out I need to test it I need to see uh like what it looks like and then decide from there if it seems like I should keep going with it or not so I do start a lot of things I don't ever finish but (laughs) you know I'm just not meant to at that time (laughs) that's a beautiful thing in and of itself sheesh yeah yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool yeah that makes me wonder about your tarot practices like how did you first get into that It was also through meeting that queer community online because of the pandemic. And I was like, at the time, I was really invested in just watching tarot on YouTube and like doing pick a card readings or like listening to it based on like my astrology or my signs. And I had introduced that to Aussie, like, hey, have you ever done these like tarot pick a card readings? And so this was actually one of the ways that we connected early on when we were getting to know each other, we would just like 
do these pick a cards over Zoom and just like watch them on YouTube. And we were like, whoa, these are like really accurate. And so like, again, because this is the first time I ever met like spiritual community, I was kind of like, I bought my first deck of cards like four or five years prior to that. And so I kind of dabbled in it, but because I was surrounded by people who didn't really like believe in it or, you know, called it a curse or whatever it was, I stopped doing it. And so um, there was like this sale happening for like tarot cards and they were like, buy one, get one free. It was like, this really good deal. And I was like, oh, I was like looking through the whole site and I picked out like, 10 different ones and so Aussie ended up like hey I'll get it for you and like bought me all these decks and I'm like well I need people to practice on (laughs) so I went on the Facebook group um for the meetup that we originally met on and I was like hey got a bunch of tarot decks like and at the time didn't realize like (laughs) what community I was really asking like who wants a free tarot reading and so like 30 people responded overnight and so I just started doing readings for people I never met and I'm like hey I'm actually kind of good at this (laughs) and so then it was just from there just like a confidence building thing and um it just kind of like took off and I realized hey I'm actually like really good at this so (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) It's such a staple in the queer community, like astrology and tarot. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But like being able to take it to and kind of um, find my sweet spot of doing healing work with it and not just what a lot of people still think of it as, which is kind of like entertainment or just like, you know, pull one card or like use an Oracle deck, but really taking it to like, we can actually go pretty deep with this and we can like uncover a lot of things and make connections to things. And so I kind of over time have um, changed around my name of like my title. And I think I feel really good with Tarot Healer because I feel like it just gives that like, hey, I don't just do like fortune telling and, you know, it could still be fun, but I really love doing the healing work. And I feel like, you know, it's just another thing that we can do to support our mental health and our well-being, our sense of empowerment. And so that's kind of just the direction I've taken it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there something that you've learned about yourself recently through tarot? Um, I don't know so much about recently, other than I do have moments in these readings where I'm like, I am pretty good at this, or like, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Or like, wow, Um, I think sometimes because early on in the tarot, or just any kind of like spiritual practice or anything that we do really as humans, that imposter syndrome is so strong, Mm. whether it's like being an artist and thinking your work is good enough, or like being a writer and thinking your writing is good enough. And then being somebody who, you know, works with tarot, And just having that imposter syndrome is so strong where you're like, who am I to be a reader? Like, what if I'm getting it wrong? What if I'm telling them the wrong thing? And like all of these things. And so now I get to have these moments where I'm like, wow, I've like, I've developed so strong that, you know, I don't really like that doubt is almost non-existent now. If it creeps in, I'm like, I know it's doubt. I know it's just fear. I know it's the imposter syndrome. And so I can just like, let it fade away. It comes in not more than like a second and we're good. (laughs) That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so expansive though. Like any tarot, like 
reading that I've received, like the book comes out and all that, but the way how like the, when they stop reading the book and they're just drawing the connections for you, like painting the picture of like interpreting all of like what's going on, like like what makes like I'm you say that you are really good at it. I'm like, what for you like comes up when you think of like what makes a good tarot reader? I would say ethics has come up a lot recently and I've actually made a really good friend because they had posted on one of my um one of my like I think it was like promoting that I was going to do a live and they asked about ethics and like that is such an important thing to realize is that a lot of readers are not reading ethically and it's not because they're not ethical people they just don't know what ethical readings are to even like implement it so for example some of the things that I consider ethical in nature is allowing people like free will and the freedom of choice and not necessarily saying like this is like your fate and you have no control over the actions of what you do um and like there's a lot of this like oh, this thing is coming up and you have some attachment. So you should buy my magic water, right? Like there's a lot of that that happens. And something I've seen recently through just kind of browsing different like tarot lives on TikTok um, is like doing a disservice by not going deeper with somebody or just kind of leaving things on an unfinished note where they're just left like, well, what do I do with this? And so what happened was it was just somebody doing some kind of like, I forget what it's called. It's almost like a pendulum type of thing that they just like let the ball go and it like stops on a word of like, yes, no, maybe kind of thing. Mm. And somebody had asked if they were going to get pregnant and it landed on no. And they just went to the next person because they were only just like doing the thing and then like taking orders almost. And I was like horrified because I'm like, that's going to get deep thing and you don't want to just tell somebody no and then like move on like what like I was so worried like what is happening to that person after they just got that news so that's a a really good example that I saw like one or two weeks ago on TikTok that is like not ethical at all like you should not just be telling somebody like that and especially not working through anything with them telling them to like you know get work with a mental health professional with that like anything so yeah like that was just so wrong and I'm like I could not believe that that was happening Mm-hmm. Um, but I was meant to say it for a reason because I'm like there is a there is a need for more mm-hmm. ethical readers and to talk about ethical readings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was like a a horrifying experience that I that I witnessed was mm-hmm. yeah just, yeah no. It makes me think of um my friend is a is a tarot reader and mm-hmm. I brought my mom to get a reading one time and the whole reading spread was um focusing on boundaries boundary Mm -hmm. setting at that time my friend they sort of do different spreads for each season and so that Mm -hmm. season in particular was about boundaries and I remember the first the whenever my friend introduced that to my mom they were like the first question was just okay so just right off the cuff like where do you see boundaries in your life like how what's your relationship to boundaries and my mom was just like boundaries question mark like what I I have no no I don't think I need boundaries I don't think I have boundaries whatever like it's really just like an introduction into (laughs) 
there's so much you know? right, right. Who I've done so much work in like therapy and just other relationship stuff with boundaries and so how different our two readings were and how deep oh, yeah. you know my friend was able to go with each of us but in very very different directions it's so right. like rich and personalized I feel Right. And I think like without kind of understanding how to go about these readings where you're really working with the person, like that's so important because one of the reasons why I offer like a one question sample is because I'm like there are so many people who have had really horrible experiences that they're so afraid to have another reading again and they're so afraid of being scammed or they were just like I even had somebody tell me that their experience was somebody telling them like some horrible stuff and they ended up crying when they got home and they were just like it like it just like traumatized them and they didn't have a reading for like several several years later and I'm just like yeah like that stuff happens and if somebody just comes at you and you're like oh cool let me like go try out that thing and they tell you this like you know this really heavy stuff and you don't know what to do with it like you could seriously like cause harm and traumatize people and I think that's like not what everybody understands about it that there is a level of like needing to tread lightly and really read the person that you're reading for and if they're not ready to go there don't go there (laughs) like meet them where they're at and that goes for just conversations in general right doesn't even have to be tarot like meet people where they're at don't yeah so that's an important aspect to that too absolutely (laughs) yeah it makes total sense and then yeah because there's also I hear what you're saying and I also hear uh the sort of flip side in my brain of like there are some people who they want someone to just tell them about their own life because they don't want to go there. Right. right? So it's like, then also a question of, okay, do you actually understand what I mean whenever I say that I'm, I'm about to give you a tarot reading coming from like where you're at as Sam, as a reader versus someone else who might, might, be coming from that point of well yeah I can read your fortune or whatever whatever it is it's just all about where what are people willing to do how open is that space right and like now that I've been doing this for a while I've been able to really gauge um like how I'm reading so I'll kind of in a sense, it's almost like the cards in the reading take on the personality of the person that I'm reading for. And so I can tell really early on if somebody's a little bit more blocked or if they need a more, a little more guidance, kind of like slowly down the, you know, like <laughs> baby steps, like bunny slopes kind of thing mm-hmm. um, versus somebody who's been like doing the work for a while and they know, and they're like ready for it, then we can go deep. And I have quite like I've had a lot of situations where people cry or they tell me some like pretty deep things that you wouldn't normally tell someone that you just met and so we are able to like release some things but it just it really depends I have people who I I know they're like not quite ready to hear what I'm going to say but I can like 
tread on the surface. And at least in my belief systems, it's all happening in the subconscious. Mm -hmm. It's that planting of the seeds. And when they're ready for it, it will come up for them and they'll make that connection. And then they'll be able to like dive into it. They may not know it's because they had the reading with me. They may Mm -hmm. not make that connection, but I am reworking their brain in like a way that they won't be able to tell. Um, until who knows when months later even (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah such important it's really it's really like empowering too Mm -hmm. for for the person receiving the reading like I remember uh one time someone told me you know even if you are just looking at the cards even though you don't particularly know know the deck or like know tarot because I was saying you know like I don't I don't know anything about this at the time so you know, yeah. anything you can tell me, of course, like I'm open to it. But they were saying, you know, even if you just look at the cards, you're already subconsciously making associations based off of the visuals, based off of the space mm-hmm. you're in, based off of all of these things that it's like, I'm going to feed you information, of course, but kind of right. like empowering me to be like, mm-hmm. I can yeah. still learn from basically anything at any time. That yeah. was like, probably... Yeah. I learned from that reading, but that was something that I've definitely carried through because even experimenting with, um, like I have this herbal oracle deck that I've been kind of like pulling from over the past year and just, yeah, feeling that empowerment of like, even if I just pull a card and look at it and kind of think about it and whatever, maybe I'll encounter that plant sometime in my life. That is still valuable information. Right. Absolutely. And at least I would say 50% of the readings that I do is some form of validating or confirming that the person already has all the answers. They just, you know, they just need somebody to help them say like, you don't have to doubt it. It's actually like your intuition that you're hearing. You just never learned how to listen to it and actually take it for truth, right? You've just been taught to ignore it or like to believe whatever anyone else is saying around you. So a lot of it is really that empowerment aspect of like, no, you you know what you're meant to do. And sometimes I'll kind of say it exactly like that. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know that you know. <laughs> For sure. And the nuance of it. I mean, I feel like we probably all remember the first time we saw the death card and we're like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> Just... <laughs> like, what is death? All right. Beginnings and endings, you know, all that. But like, yeah, it's, it can feel oh, so yeah. it's like, oh yeah. It's big words at the forefront of something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it makes me laugh sometimes because it's mm-hmm. so direct and it, and like, because my cards know that I'm totally cool with direct. And so mm-hmm. I could be just like mulling over something and like, I'll pull a card and it'll just kind of like, well, here you go. Let me just slap it to you. And I'm like, okay, I know. Yeah. <laughs> just have to laugh sometimes because it's like we're just so stubborn about it when it's like I know I need to do that but I don't <laughs> want to the cards are like then why are you asking me right yeah exactly <laughs> so did the cards uh help you in your journey towards the the ultimatum getting on that show <laughs> I don't recall it like I don't recall any specific things about getting on the show, but I absolutely had my entire bag of all of my card decks on the show during filming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was using them quite frequently. (laughs) Nice. How do you go about deciding which deck you're going to use each time? It's 
Yeah, it's all intuition. So before when I was still developing in my confidence and like knowing I would actually use my hands because there's a lot of energy within the palm of our hands. And so I would actually hover over it and whichever one kind of like almost pulsates, then that is the deck that I would use. But now as I've been developing that intuition and that trust, mm -hmm. I could just stare, I could just like look at my pile of cards and it'll just stand out to me and I'm like and I'll just know which one to pick um but there's so many different ways to go about it so yeah now they almost just like call to me like pick me and I'm like okay nice. cool <laughs> yeah do you um do you use uh tarot cards in your relationship with Aussie like do y'all do relationship reading oh all the time <laughs> I am like, let me just write up a bill of all of the readings that you got for <laughs> <Yo>. me, <laughs> just so we know. <laughs> it's so actually so absolutely because it's like you've got this oh, like objective, yeah. you know, point. It's not like oh, I have this burning question or this burning thing right. I want to get into. It can just come up organically, and you know, right, right. And I and a lot of times I'll use oracle cards for that because of the guidebook. Because even if I'm like channeling the message. It's so easy for the person to be like, oh, you're just like injecting your own opinion into it. I'm like, no, I swear I'm not. So like, <laughs> but how do you like convince somebody, right? So the guidebook, we're just like reading it. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the message. It's not coming from me. Somebody wrote it and we're reading it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, it's so helpful for, it's almost like that mediator at whenever yeah. we need a mediator. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's healthy. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like thinking of that as like a third party mm -hmm. in the conversation. Yeah, that's right. super helpful. And one thing I was just reminded of with the conversation recently, I don't remember who it was with or if I read it, but you can get your cards. And if you're having difficulties like expressing how you're feeling, you can actually just look at the cards and each person can even just pick out a card that kind of like matches the vibe of how they're feeling. Almost like if you had an emotional chart and you're like, I'm oh at this. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> well, that perfectly eases into my final question mm -hmm. of, of yeah. this, which is what card would you associate with the energy of this conversation? <laughs> oh my gosh, that it, that it would be a hard one because I have almost 20 decks. So I don't even know what deck I would pick. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just see if one can come out right now and see what that is. Okay. The magician. The magician. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is like a card of creation. This is a card of like we have all the things that we need to create from it and we don't need additional answers. And so I think that's a very fitting. Like we all have so much experience to bring to the table and we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of gifts that we can just create from it. And we already have everything we need. So <laughs> I love it. Wow. And now we're at triple twos over here because it's 222. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's, That's so good. good. My gosh. Yes. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Sam. Yes. Thank you. This was fun. And you had great questions. So <laughs> fun for me too. <laughs>
bless, bless.